Welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I am Nora Princiati. I am not Kevin Clark, who would normally be here with you on Thursday. Uh, Kevin will be back with me breaking down all of the week 10 action on Sunday night. But until then, we're going to have a really fun conversation with Mallory Rubin about some of the young rookie quarterbacks that we've seen play so well this year. And then we're going to talk to Danny Kelly and Kaylin Jones and revisit some of our preseason picks. Today's episode of the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate? That's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro, the real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs, like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we have Mallory Rubin here. Hello, Mallory. I'm very excited to talk to you about some rookie quarterbacks today. Oh, my God. Nora, what a delight to be here with you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Can't wait to chat. How is my pal Halo? He's he's crushing it, to be honest. He's crushing it. Yeah, he is currently napping in a particularly vibrant and expansive sun square. And, uh, you know, he, like me, he, like you, just loves to watch rookie rookie quarterbacks. Has a lot of thoughts on Herbert, has a lot of thoughts. He's a longtime Tua stan, you know? Okay. So he's doing great. He's excited about our focus today. And I will, I should probably just tell all of our listeners, uh, I will be doing this entire podcast with a paper bag over my head as the result of maybe a... a to a tag of Iloa related conversation that took place on this podcast that in hindsight, not looking so great, but I'm excited to unpack all of that. Listen, listen, I, I just want you to know that Ben Glicksman has forgiven you. Okay. Now he's he not, not. going to ever say that to you directly, but I have known Ben for a long time and he has a pure heart. And so I think you guys can find your way forward together. We did offer Ben the opportunity to call into this very podcast and just like yell at me for 10 minutes. And he declined because, as Mallory said, <laughs> pure of heart, kind of soul. Yeah. Uh, but a fellow college football fan, 
like you are, which is why I'm pumped about this conversation because I kind of want to get a vibe check going okay. on these rookie quarterbacks who've been so exciting vibes. this year. Yeah, we love a vibe check. Uh, just because you're a huge college football fan, watched all these guys. And I'm curious just what it's been like seeing Joe Burrow, then Justin Herbert, now Tua, playing as someone who had a lot of history as a football watcher with all these guys before they were in the NFL. Do you want me to feel that and then you issue your formal apology to Tua and to Miami Dolphins fans? Or do you want to... You want to take that? I thought first, I already did or... that. Didn't we already cover this? Aren't I scot free okay. now? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just, I believe in the infrastructure of that team so much that I'm on edge. It's just because I want the best for them. I promise. I, 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 I have this long history. This is a little weird, but let's just unpack it. Let's do it. The Dolphins have this weird mascot. Uh, he's a dolphin and they have this blow up dolphin who kind of patrols their sidelines. And I used to cover the Patriots. So I would cover a game in Miami once a year. And that guy haunts my dreams. He is. So he's not a, uh, I guess a fabric mascot is how I would put it. Uh, it's, it's like a blow up doll and he is bulbous in ways that are just terrifying. And he sort of wiggles and wobbles along the sidelines. And I would spend games like it's it's shocking that I didn't zone out during the Miami Miracle play because I was just I found it very hard to look away like roadkill or a train wreck with that guy. So I think I'm probably destined to have him haunt my dreams forevermore, especially after being way too spooked by Tua's first start. But anyway, this is, I, I have to say, uh, a masterful attempt at redirection on your part. You know, the words bulbous, the words wiggle and waggle. You're trying to get everybody to think of basically jello molds instead <laughs> of uh, instead of thinking about the Tua take. Ben will not be fooled. And uh, I respect the effort on your part, though. So to, to actually answer your question, I... I, I would say, you know, we can take a, we can take them player by player here, but but broadly, like the overall snapshot, I am the least surprised by what we saw from Tua this past weekend because he simply put had one of the best careers in the history of college football. And the only question with him ever was was his health, right? I am the most surprised by far by how well Herbert has played. So Burrow, I guess, is is I feel like Burrow might almost uh, emerge as the forgotten rookie of the group in this chat just because, you know, the two a thing is fresh and Herbert has been kind of one of the, the, the shocks of the season. Burrow is playing exceptionally well, so we should just say that up, uh, up front. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll dive into his case for for rookie of the year and his uh, his short term and long term outlook as we go. But. To, to go a little deeper on, on the Tua and, and Herbert surprise angles there from the college football perspective, you know, again, with Tua, and, and if you remember, like, we in, in the, the, the weeks before the draft, one of the narratives that was really picking up steam was the question of whether Herbert might be drafted ahead of Tua, right? Remember this? Yep. So... 
I think that one of the things that ended up happening is that including, a lot of- sorry to, to interrupt you, but in, including potentially by the dolphins. Correct. Right. So I think that one of the things that happened is that a lot of fervent, this is an indefensible consideration positions in terms of the Herbert perspective came out there in the days before the draft. And maybe people were ragging on Herbert's draft bonafides a little more than they otherwise would have been, specifically because whether you're an NFL draft Nick or somebody who had watched a lot of college tape, it it, it was not it was not a reasonable thing to suggest at that time that that Herbert should be should be drafted before Tua based on again uh, anything other than really the question of Tua's long term health. Now that's that 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 is worth talking about for a minute though. When the draft evaluation process was underway. Tua returning to full health was not a sure thing. You know, it was it was the hope, of course, for people who had watched him, obviously for the teams that were considering drafting him. But he was coming off a major, major hip surgery. So my position on Tua was always that he was the best quarterback in the draft, even, even ahead of, of Burrow on the prospect list, if he were healthy. So he looks healthy. And so I'm not surprised that he's playing well. Obviously, you know, he's only started two games. I think the fact that he's on the best team of the bunch by far is a variable that we have to throw out there. But just this most recent game, you kind of saw all of it. You saw the physical skill. You saw the ability to invent in real time, like his instincts for finding a way to just make a play happen, rally the team around him. You can just feel already in the in the the press conference sound bites from his teammates, from the coaches. There's that like energy that he brings to a locker room. And again, like look back at his college career and what he did at Alabama. I mean, he one of the one of the the factoids that college football fans like to throw out the most is that he threw touchdowns on 12.7% of his passes in college, which just absolutely obliterated and shattered the prior mark. He had a 199.5 passer rating. I mean, he was in the running for the best college quarterback of all time. Seeing him play well in the pros is not going to be a surprise to me. Have you been surprised by Tua? <laughs> she asks pointedly. Uh so I, I've been surprised week one to, or not week one, but start one to start two really surprised me. And I just think it's incredibly unusual to see a quarterback develop before our eyes in a way that looks like it's taking place on a possession to possession basis. Because the way that I saw it, the first game, they really did not ask him to do very much. And he looked a little shaky. The second game, they start out most of the first half. It's a lot of play action, some rollouts, some nicely designed stuff. It's getting him in a rhythm. I think, by the way, we're going to probably have to work in a little bit bit of Chan Gailey standing here because I think he's he's having a really good year. But then towards, so they're running their two-minute offense before the half. And he hits Laird on a hot read that gets them in position for the field goal that ends up being kind of why they won the game. And it's like, no longer is he just in, in rhythm and having the easy completions. He's sensing pressure. They had a lot of um, max protections where he didn't have a lot of receivers out on routes and he was still able to find the right guy, be patient. He was 
feeling the rush, but not, not bailing and scrambling. There was another really impressive throw to Devonte Parker. I forget exactly when it, when it was, but he hit him on an out where he was pretty far behind the line and he could have bailed out and run mm-hmm. and he just stepped up in the pocket. So it's like, he's going from not the most impressive first start to some 100 level stuff early in that game. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, that's the guy everybody was talking about. Okay. And I think that's a little bit of an unfair expectation for the rest of this season. I Mm -hmm. think still we have to keep in mind that he is being asked to do the least of these guys. And when we get to Burrow, it's funny. I don't think I realized until I started going back and looking more carefully at some of these guys tape that he is in a rough situation. I think he's played so well that it's, it's masked things where if you watch games live, you're like, Oh, okay. Like Tyler Boyd, he is getting them out of disasters and they're still not winning. So it's not great. But I think two is going to have a lot of advantages that those guys don't. I mean, Herbert obviously is on a a good but cursed team. So I don't know how we parse that. (laughs) But if that is the kind of improvement that we're going to see, I mean, they'll probably make the playoffs. And then you go from this situation where health is a huge factor and when he's going to play is a huge factor to a really good opportunity to learn within an infrastructure that I think is pretty clearly the best of all, all three of these. So a little bit of hedging, a little bit of jury is still out, but that was a pretty remarkable second start. I think that what you're describing, though, the ability to basically capitalize on being in a good situation is part of being a a franchise quarterback in the NFL. You know, you have to be able to work within the system. Let's put a pin in that when we for a second when we go go to Herbert because the idea of the system is relevant not only for his NFL prospects but actually for looking back at how people were fairly or unfairly right. assessing his college play. But with Tua, he's he's such an intuitive player, right? He just <laughs> one of the things that I, I I always just love about draft season and then rookie campaigns is the. The, the harmony that emerges when college football fans and NFL fans can agree on something and then the chasm that emerges when they can't. And so often that that is anchored in the idea of of measurables versus intangibles. Right. And this like question of basically what shows up at the combine, what shows up in the 40 yard dash, what shows up when you're when you're uh, checking somebody's box scores and what they did in Indy. Right versus what just shows up on the tape. And I think that's that's just the thing with Tua that is is to me like inextricable from assessing him as a prospect is there is really something magical about watching him on the field. That was part of what was so fun, of course, about not just seeing him this past weekend, but seeing him against Kyler Murray, another player who we think of in that right. way, right? There's just something absolutely electrifying about watching watching them work wonders and watching the offense and the game come alive around them. And I think that that, that doesn't in any way negate the point you're making about it's more about from, you know, what you're saying, like him coming alive within the offense versus him making the offense come alive. But I think we would agree that those things can inform each other in the best possible situation for a quarterback and a team. So that's probably the, the, the best transition we'll have to Herbert. Right. 
because it has not always been that way for him. And right. Well, and I'll I'll stop you for a second. I think the pre-draft discussion with him is fascinating. Yes. Because it could he could be polarizing from these two totally different directions, right? So one is that he's your classic traits guy mm-hmm. who wasn't super efficient. Right. Tall. In college. Josh Allen kind of big arm, six foot six, looks great in shorts or whatever it is they're saying. Then there's this whole other element where he loves to read. He's smart. He likes school. He's supposedly a little quiet. He's not Mr. Rah-Rah. And if you go back through some of the scouting reports, there is some weird stuff there about how he didn't have the right leadership qualities. And was he going to be able to galvanize a locker room? Yep. And we got to be done with that. Like that stuff is always stupid with you. It's so dumb. It has never once been valuable, but in this case, it's kind of fascinating, right? Because, and I'm totally, I'm putting people into boxes here. So this is sort of unfair, but you think of the more analytics driven group of thinkers as being people who would be less into Herbert because he is that classic tools guy, but someone who didn't have a lot of um, efficient performances in college those are also the people who are not going to be inclined to care about whether someone is yelling in the huddle or I don't even, Mm -hmm. I even have trouble talking about this stuff because I just don't know what it is. Like what exactly is the problem here? So he, he read a, he read a book. Are we, what, (laughs) just what are we doing? But there could be, there were these totally different populations that could look at Justin Herbert and pick him apart in all of these different ways I think some of it's valuable. Well, I don't I don't want to spoil the end of this conversation. I'm still going to let some of my my priors inform how I view him long term, mm-hmm. at least relative to these other guys. But the floor, I think the assumptions about it have to have risen. There's just no way that they haven't with how he's played so far. Yeah. No, I think that's that's exactly right. The I, I agree with you a hundred percent about how absolutely confounding and bizarre all of the conversations about his demeanor were. You know, I'm cognizant of the fact that mere moments ago on this very podcast, we were talking about intangibles <laughs> and the value of it. But it's a different thing to say that because somebody is uh, more reserved. And, uh, you know, quiet and you'd see all these comments about, you know, can he inspire a team? It's like, uh, is he a hard worker? Is he focused? Is he respectful? Is he talented? Is he capable of playing well? I mean, you know, it's I I, I, I remember during during the the pre-draft window when all of those comments were, were surfacing, thinking back to a lot of the conversations around Josh Rosen during draft time and how many NFL teams seemed afraid of the fact that he was well-read and outspoken. Now he was, the the concern there was that he was outspoken, not that he was quiet, but again, you know, these, these, these moments of NFL teams um, focusing on things that uh, confuse the football viewing public, certainly not new. Right. But in Herbert's case, it just seems uh, as we watch him play now uh, in the NFL every week to be Completely ill-founded, right? As it did at the time that those comments were surfacing. I think that the questions in the draft run-up about his play are more worth focusing on now. 
you know, those were, again, as you said, never about his, his arm strength, right? Huge arm, cannon arm. We see the deep ball. It's it's beautiful. It was more about decision-making, consistency, efficiency, as you noted. You know, the Josh Allen comp is interesting because I, I don't think that to me, watching Herbert in college, it, it never felt like the accuracy question was was really on par with with the the accuracy question with Josh Allen coming out of college, where it was like we're literally talking about can this guy complete more than fifty percent of his passes in the NFL, right. <laughs> right? Which is amazing to think about now. But with Herbert, what you'd see often is that he would he would make these miraculous, awe inspiring throws, where you would say, you know, only somebody with with arm strength on, on that on par with what he possesses could even attempt something like that, let alone pull it off. But then he would just miss wide open receivers. He didn't have these like lapses that were really bizarre. And a lot of that was about what seemed to be maybe the lack of like an anticipatory instinct, right? And how that then translated into the, into the accuracy of his throws. So I think the question now is, was that fair has it changed? And I think one thing that's worth citing, because we we mentioned earlier the idea of how player and team inform each other and the importance of consistency, coaching staff scheme, all of that. You know, people have, have mentioned this a lot with Herbert, but I think it's important to always remember that he, as well as he played in college, and, you know, he was an elite, elite prospect heading into the draft, and if he had come out the prior year, would have been a even more touted prospect. Yeah. He never had a chance to establish a consistent rhythm because the situation kept changing. The coaching staff kept changing. You know, we went from Helfridge to Tagger to Cristobal. That's a big deal for a player who's young and developing. And the other thing that, again, is it's not a new observation, but I think it's just worth resurfacing as we assess the, you know, surprising nature of his play is that he just did not have the talent around him at, at Oregon that Burrow had at LSU and that Tua had at Alabama, right? Like, he didn't. And now he's throwing to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. <laughs> That's a big deal. Now, he's also throwing behind a line that has struggled with injuries, has struggled to protect him, and is, in general, on a team that is incapable of pulling out a win, which we'll we'll talk about more shortly. But... I think seeing the consistency from him this year has been the most surprising thing when comparing it to what we saw from him in college. You know, you separate it from what they've been able to do as a, as a team in terms of actually finishing the game, which they're not currently capable of. But we're, the Chargers are at a point where the one thing you don't doubt heading into the week is whether Justin Herbert's going to play well. And I, I think that that is just, frankly, kind of astounding. As talented as he was at Oregon, that has that has been one of the shocks of the season. You're just expecting him to deliver 300-plus passing yards every week. It's amazing. It really is remarkable. We should say with Herbert that it's it's not that all of those inconsistencies are totally gone because he's had some of the best downfield throws, the best of these three rookies. He has also had the most quarterback fault incompletions, which is something that PFF tracks. So there's still a little bit of that that push pull there that existed in college. But I think we're seeing two things. One, just the talent level being so much better. I think one thing that and not to keep bringing it back to, you know, the love of my life, Josh Allen, 
but someone who also had some anticipation and touch questions. I think you see that that's something that NFL caliber talent really, really helps, particularly as the league gets better at bringing along these young quarterbacks. I think one thing that's been fascinating to watch over the last few years is the way that receivers are being coached slightly differently just to understand space and leverage and finding pockets in a defense as opposed to run 12 steps and then break out right here. There's a little bit of a shift in thinking that's going on there that I think is helping a lot of these guys, particularly if they're playing with a Mike Williams and Keenan Allen that can actually execute it because the deep balls with Herbert have been spectacular. He's also been throwing to wide open pass catchers with at least five yards of separation on 23% of his targets. So that's something that I don't think you can fault him for its context, but it's a credit to him that he's taking advantage of those. But I think when you look into it, it's surprising how well he's played, but you do, you see the threads coming through there a little bit and you see how much just using his athleticism more than they did at Oregon, using a little bit of play action, letting him use all of his tools can open things up for a guy like that. And we also have to remember he didn't, he didn't prepare to do this in a normal way. Uh, So we're going to get into, I think we'll do this now, just who we would take for the rest of this year among these guys. And then for the long term. but I do just want to say that with Herbert, what makes it so impressive to me is the way that it started. And that's in some ways true with Tua too, but I, Mm -hmm. I I just can't imagine what that must've been like when he was on the sideline and was just told get in there and get in there. Um, yeah, but I'll bring it back and and just ask you this year, we can do that first. And then the great beyond the future, how do you kind of (laughs) stack these guys up? Uh, so I think that the the question we have to ask ourselves there is, are we separating the player from the situation, right? Because despite everything I just said about how surprised I've been by, by Herbert's uh, record-setting rookie play, he's, he's still on the Chargers right now. So now, of course, Burrow is also on a... a struggling team. Let's 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 be clear. I mean the the Bengals are he is getting hit a ton. Tua is the only one of the three who's on a a likely playoff team here. I think that in terms of just what we have seen from them individually in a vacuum this year, I would I would pick Herbert in this thought experiment, but I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Because he's on the Chargers and they just seem uh, either determined to blow it every week or, as as I know you believe, there is perhaps a demonic influence at play here. I'm not like a a Cosmos (laughs) person, but I am out of other answers with the Chargers. I'm just I when Kevin and I were doing the, the show on Sunday, I felt myself starting to say this thing about the urgency with which they were calling plays on their final drive. And I just felt that pit in my stomach where I was like, this isn't it. This doesn't explain the chargers. Nothing, nothing earthly explains the chargers. So yeah, I'm going to be going to be looking into that. I will tell you that I am ready to, to give it to Herbert. I think he's just being asked to do a lot more. He's averaging 306 yards per game to a, 
It's only two, but he's at 116. Let's, let's we give have it a couple to acknowledge more weeks. that at a certain point. Let's get totally. I'm right there with a you. Weeks. But also, but 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 so okay. This is a this is a good a good distinction to draw. What is what is the at the heart of this thought experiment? Is it which quarterback is going to position our our thought experiment team to win the game? Is it who's going to put up the glossiest stat line for a fantasy football type of execution? Are we thinking about rookie of the year? You know, I think I think it, that lens probably helps determine the answer. Like, again, as predicted, we've spent more time talking about at, about Tua and Herbert than Burrow. But, you know, PFF had this had this great nugget about Burrow last week, just crushing those inner intermediate throws, Nora. Those 10 to 19 crushing yarders. Him. Crushing we're, 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 he's ranking second, according to PFF, among all quarterbacks since 2006 through week eight. 92.1 grade for for those intermediate throws. So there's something appealing about that, right? But again, I worry about the Bengals' ability to protect him because they are have not been able to do that. He's, what has he been sacked? 28 times? 28. We're at the midway point of the season. 28 times. It's as the like, kids say, it's not what you want. It's not, it's, it's this like 10,000 hour rule thing where he's either going to emerge at the end of the season and all of the pressure is going to have turned him into like a diamond or it will crush him and he will turn to dust. Like this is not... I think in some ways he's been so stabilizing, which is such a credit to him that we almost don't realize how crazy it is there. Like I was the story of that Titans game, right, was that the Titans don't have a pass rush and how bad of a situation that is seemed so much worse when they couldn't get home against this totally banged up Bengals offensive line. I was looking at a few plays from that and he was, they were almost getting there. And I know that's not saying a lot, but he was just from a Burrow perspective and what it means for him. He was pulling plays out of, I'm not going to say it was, there was, there was a third and nine that I watched like 25 times to try to understand what was going on. I have no idea what they were trying to do on that play. (laughs) It was a completion. They converted it for the first down. He threw what I'm going to call a slant to Tyler Boyd, but that's a, <laughs> it was a squiggle. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and he just, I think, had a lot of presence of mind, understood that it was third and nine. Right. He, um, he threw it so that it was not going to be picked, that there was a defender that was kind of coming down on the receiver. So he put it where it wasn't going to turn into a disaster play. And all I can chalk that up to is Joe Burrow being a badass and going, okay, it's third and nine. I got to try to make a play to, to get a first down here. And I'm just going to go for it. Even though there's a guy blitzing from my left, a guy blitzing from my right. And they're breathing down my neck. And also I don't know what route this receiver's running. And I don't really know what's going on on the outsides, but I'm just going to find a way to do it in a way that that doesn't end in disaster. And I think in some ways, the more I look back and, and sort of look at what's going on there, I, I think more of that is happening than we realize, mm-hmm. which is in yeah. some ways a huge credit to him and why I do believe that his play is the most sustainable. He's the one that I would yeah. want to build around for the long term. And part of that does have to do with those passes up to 20 yards because that's a much more stable and predictive indicator. Yeah. He's also making a lot more tight window throws than Herbert is. Two of the sample size is just low, so it's it's hard to say. So for Burrow, those are very good signs. The situation, 
the nature one. versus nurture that we're always going to get into here. It's 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 dicey, and I think he's doing a good job of masking how dicey it is. But when they play the Steelers, I mean, his his worst game this year was against the Ravens, and the Steelers are the only other team that blitz comparably. And I just, oh boy, yeah, it's 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 almost unfair to have a a rookie quarterback out there facing that kind of pressure. It always makes me think of, you know, I watch a lot of baseball. I'm a hundred years old. So I watch a lot of baseball and it always makes me think of when elite pitching prospects get called up a little too early and get shelled. And it's not a a perfect comp break because he's playing quite well. He's not playing poorly, but when you face something that's that out of uh, the norm for what you're used to as a player at that point, and I think what's interesting about everything you just said about Burrow is the context could not be less similar for him comparing his rookie NFL season to the LSU run last year. Uh, it's the opposite end of the spectrum in the sense that, right. you know, record-setting Heisman campaign, national title, just leaving opponents in the dust week after week. And, you know, you're looking at a a, a Bengals team right now that's, you know, two, five and one in, in last place in the AFC North. And again, can't protect their franchise quarterback. But the through line is exactly what you just described, which is that Joe Burrow just plays with a remarkable amount of conviction. Like the, the inventiveness and the determination is always so central and on display. So, you know, I think to the to the question of which would you pick long term, I this is like a, a horseshit cop out. But I kind of think there's no wrong answer and that that's just a really good thing for the NFL. You know, there's this the, these three rookies are part of this larger movement, this influx of young quarterback talent. You know, obviously, Mahomes, my my dear Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, your beloved Josh Allen. Now we've got Herbert Burrow, too, on the mix. You know, I is. Uh, I guess your mileage may vary on whether you wanted to toss like Baker and Darnold and Drew Locke and Danny Dimes into the mix, right? But we're also mileage about to may have... vary is a very kind way <laughs> of saying mileage may vary. We're also about to have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Trey Lance come in in the draft. Like there's a remarkable, remarkable amount of young quarterback talent in the league. And all three of these rookies are, are, I think we have already enough evidence to say they're quarterbacks you'd want to, you'd want to build around. So again, I think even the long-term question, you have to think about the position that they're in with the franchises. And so I, I have to pick Tua both because I just of everything I said earlier and how much I believe in him as a player, if he can stay healthy. And yes, I know, I know health is a skill. Everyone will always say that. But if he can stay healthy, I just think what he is able to do on a football field is is potentially generational. I really do. I think he could be that special. And he's in the best situation, as you noted. So while that may be a a demerit in in your mind in terms of assessing how impressive what we've seen so far is, it ultimately positions him the best long term, I think. I love it. Our dear Ben Glicksman is very happy that you said all of that. (laughs) You're welcome, Ben. So I think we're going to finish this up, but I just want to ask, do you have a rookie of the year pick at this point? I think it has to be Herbert right now, right? It just has to be. He's going to absolutely shatter the rookie passing records. I mean, he's on FanDuel right now. He's, he's, he's the, the favorite right now in the, in the odds. And 
you know, again, I think that the, the factor with Tua is the, is the fact that he's on a playoff team, but he w- he's just so far behind in terms of games played and the the yeah I think the that's tough stat log that he's been able to amass. His potential path is the combination of the playoff team narrative. People love a narrative, Nora, and the fact that he gets a chance to go head to head against both against both Burrow and Herbert. If he outplays them head to head and is the face of a like exciting contending hopeful he could maybe work himself in there but i think right now it's 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 herbert's to lose just based on the stats you know he's gonna he's gonna shatter the rookie quarterback uh touchdown mark that's pretty notable if i met justin herbert i would introduce myself very nicely strike up conversation and then i would say justin herbert you ever seen a ghost <laughs> The ghost that haunts the Chargers facility. All right. On that note, Mallory Rubin, this has been fantastic. And I would be remiss not to mention that uh, Halo wearing a Ravens jersey is behind you on your Zoom background. And it has been just wonderful to stare into those eyes. uh, All eight pairs of them or or whatever the tiling situation (laughs) on the Zoom background is doing. So this has been a delight. Thank you for having me. I, uh... I look forward to you and Ben Glicksman finding your way to repair and mend together. And I wish you and Josh Allen a lot of luck in the future. Josh Allen has great Justin Bieber takes. (laughs) And we'll leave it at that. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Add a little excitement to your sports watching experience by betting on all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook this football season. There's a reason why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Their app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and exclusive always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And if you win, they even get you your winnings safely in as little as 24 hours. Right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. Seriously, there's no strings attached. 
just place any bet you want. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. This Sunday, I'm picking the Seahawks over the Rams in a bounce back game that puts Russell Wilson back in the MVP conversation. If you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with promo code RINGERNFL so they know I sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code RINGERNFL. 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois. Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, Danny Kelly and Kalen Jones, how are you guys doing? Danny, what's up? You're wearing a hat. <laughs> I know it's strange, isn't it? It's kind of like off brand for me, but no, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. I'm not wearing a hat, but it's a what is that hat? Uh, it's for Nico. It's a cat cafe. That's there's one in Bellingham and Seattle. My friends own them. It's really cool. That's a better Apart answer fact- than I possibly could have been expecting. <laughs> Looks pretty smooth. Just, I like it. Just far beyond my wildest dreams my friends went to japan and lived in japan for a while and cat cafes are big there apparently and then they brought the idea back to the northwest so yeah wow kaylin you got any cat cafe stories i do (laughs) not i i wish i did you know i do love cafes though my year in new york was pretty cool because i didn't have many friends out there but i would just kind of find these random cafe shops they're little coffee shops and you know befriend people when i could (laughs) it's fantastic Love to hear that. All right. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. We're going to do something that I think will be very fun. Uh, we will be redrafting some of our preseason picks. We're going to do Super Bowl matchup and winner, MVP, defensive player of the year, and comeback player of the year. And so we're just going to go one by one. We're going to do it snake draft, Danny, Kalen, Nora, Nora, Kalen, Danny. Alphabetical order by first name. No favoritism here. <laughs> and we're just going to see who, who can come up with the team that we think would hold up over the remainder of the season, given what we know now a little past the halfway mark. So I will remind you guys what your preseason picks were. Danny, oh, no. you had Kansas City over New Orleans in the Super Bowl. Your MVP was Patrick Mahomes. Creative. Defensive player of the year. <laughs> was uh Nick Bosa. So Beep. uh it's a little tough. Comeback player <laughs> of the year. Ben Roethlisberger. Sorry, I didn't mean to drag you while I'm explaining this. <laughs> Kaylin, it would have been fine had... if he didn't get hurt, but yes. <laughs> yes. Very good player, just not not playing. Kaylin, you had Kansas City over Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Your MVP was Lamar Jackson. Your defensive player of the year was TJ Watt. And your comeback player of the year was Cam Newton. I had New Orleans over Kansas City in the Super Bowl. 
Patrick Mahomes as my MVP. So two lucky winners will be able to draft Patrick Mahomes as <laughs> their MVP in this draft. Miles Garrett as my defensive player of the year and Alex Smith as comeback player of the year. Mm. So Danny Kelly, you are on the clock. I got to say, most of these feel pretty accurate. Um, there's a few obvious like outliers that aren't going to happen, but uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to pick my own Super Bowl pick to start with because I like it the most. KC over New Orleans. And based on everything we've seen over the last few weeks, it feels like a pretty good guess. All right, Kalen. Um, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes MVP. I'm going to steal one of your guys MVP picks because <laughs> I did pick Lamar Jackson originally, but you know, the regression was going to happen, but you know, Patrick Mahomes second best odds across the board on most Vegas uh, betting sites. And you know, his schedule is pretty favorable as far as if he performs well, it'll look a little bit better than some of those other guys like Russell Wilson and uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to bet on the guy who's the flashiest and kind of the face of the league for you know, carrying the one eight one team left in the AFC. All right. So then I am going to take Kalen's Super Bowl pick of Kansas City over Tampa Bay and not be scared off by Saints Bucks. I'm still I'm still riding that Buccaneers wave. Oh boy. Damn. You're you're not like one of those people <laughs> that's totally given up on the whole thing based on one game. You know, I'm not. I think if you look back to when they played the Packers, one thing I thought was interesting from that was that the Bucs were so able to kind of confuse Aaron Rodgers, it seemed like, and that is a tall task, and they were Mm. not able to do that against Drew Brees. However, I do think that their linebackers are going to be able to put that spell back on some quarterbacks, and I'm trusting that it's going to be. Maybe not a complete one-game fluke, but I don't think that they're going to be getting uh, blown out of the water like that. Um, So I have taken... Okay, I have Kalen's Super Bowl pick of Kansas City over Tampa Bay. And then actually, Kalen, I'm going to take another one of your picks. So good job by you. I'm going to take your Defensive Player of the Year pick of TJ Watt, who I think is a really strong candidate playing Mm. on one of the most aggressive and best defenses in the league, the Steelers. I guess all of my picks are just like if week nine hadn't happened would look a little better, but I'm, I'm not scared off by one game. <laughs> I can't blame you. Da- did Danny take one of the Super Bowl picks already? Yeah, I took Casey over New Orleans. Oh, see, that's a really good pick. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Miles Garrett then, defensive player of the year. Uh, I think that he has yeah. a legitimate shot at it. Um, I know that Cleveland is not right now you know, looking, they're on the outside looking in as far as the playoff picture. But um, this guy who, honestly, he's been one of the most efficient defensive players in the league and, you know, he has a legitimate case for it. That was my pick. That was my preseason pick. And I think he's played spectacularly. The only reason I I didn't go for that straight up at the top was I just worry about his health. But I think that's a, it's a strong move. Uh, let's see. We're back with Danny. Oh, man. So you guys have uh, really screwed me over on the defensive player of the year award since the guy that I'm going with played like two games. Um, so I'm gonna I'll just wait on that one till the very end since that would be the obvious move. I'm gonna take Mahomes because at this point it looks like for MVP because it looks like there's not really any shot Lamar Jackson's gonna you know claw his way back into the MVP discussion at this point. He's um, I wouldn't say he's been struggling, but he's definitely fallen off. 
his performance from last year. Mahomes, on the other hand, looks more like the 2018 MVP that he was. Twenty, I think I saw this, 25 touchdowns and one interception on the year. He's the first guy to do that through, tw- uh, through nine games in a season, 25 to only one or fewer interceptions. So, um, I mean, he's just been incredible. Uh, just past Dan Marino for the fastest quarterback to 100 touchdowns in his career. He did it in 40 games. So, um, you know, Mahomes playing the way he is, doing the the extraordinary plays that he's capable of doing. And then also, obviously, the Chiefs being like one of the top Super Bowl favorites in the NFL right now. I think all those things add together to make Mahomes a pretty good choice. And since Russell Wilson wasn't on here, you know, he's kind of out of the conversation anyway. So uh, Mahomes to me looks like a really, you know, obvious pick for, for MVP this year. I also think as so much of the top of the league looks sort of murky right now, there aren't a lot of teams where we're like, oh, that's a complete team with no weaknesses that hasn't had any one yeah. game where they've looked bad. I think that's going to, we're probably around the corner from just a lot of, oh, here come the Chiefs. Did we forget about the Chiefs narrative stuff coming back? Because they're waiting. I got, I got the ball. I got the ball rolling on that actually in my power rankings this week. I was like, man, the Chiefs <laughs> quietly are just extremely good and no one's really talking about it. So, um, yeah, I totally agree. I think they could be a second half team in terms of like narratives and stuff like that. Um, I want to say, I want to point out real quick, Nora, I believe you and I both mentioned Josh Allen as Dark Horse MVP candidates. Heck yeah. Um, I can't remember if Kalen did too, but we we were on this a little bit. We I don't know if we necessarily no. truly believed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if we were just like maybe throwing it out there. But um, yeah, I mean, he he's definitely lower i guess in the odds now than he was a few weeks ago but um big game against seattle put him back on the map so we'll see he's wonderful and i i, I <laughs> was talking to mallory about some of the young quarterbacks earlier on the pod and i would be remiss if i did not mention yet again extremely good takes on justin bieber want i really want <laughs> that to like penetrate the discourse about john allen uh danny Duly i think noted. you get to make another pick all right, so I'm going to go with, oh, this is tough. I'm going with a comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, which I think was a Ooh. great choice, Nora. Um, I, I think Ben Roethlisberger is definitely in it, too, just based on the way he's been playing. I wouldn't say he's done anything that's super, super impressive at this point. He's kind of just been a game manager for them. You know, they, the, the Steelers have been more or less a dink and dunk offense. They've They've gotten the job done. I wouldn't say he's been super, you know, He's not like playing like he was in his prime. On the other hand, Smith has not been impressive either <laughs> in his lone start. I guess he's had, you know, start plus a little bit of action in another game. Um, but if he ends up being the starter going on, going forward now with with Kyle Allen out for the season, then, you know, he has a chance to be, I mean, just the fact that he's playing, like, makes him like a part of this, this award. So um, coming back from that gruesome injury, um, if he can get it going a little bit more than he did last Sunday, then then obviously then it'll help his chances here. But I'm going with Alex Smith purely based on the fact that it's incredible to me that he's even playing football. Kalen? That's a good pick. Um, I'm going to go right after you and steal Cam Newton back as the comeback player of near. Um, I mean, <laughs> w- when we talk about Cam Newton, I know that, you know, obviously this year is not gone as planned for the Patriots. It's been super unfortunate over the past few weeks. And then even last night or Monday night with 
you know, them barely squeaking out a win against the Jets. Um, <laughs> not the strongest of comeback player uh, picks here, but, you know, looking at his schedule moving forward, there is a chance, at least a pathway, where if Camden were to somehow channel, you know, MVP form, and, you know, we've been saying this all season, like, can he channel that, that uh, form that led him to be an all-pro type player? He hasn't really shown it so far, but there, there's still eight games on the stretch. The AFC is kind of wide open in terms of that last two playoff spots. I mean, especially with this primetime matchup against Baltimore this upcoming week, it wouldn't be shocking, you know, if Cam Newton had a vintage performance and everyone is suddenly talking about him again. Cam, I think, is playing better than people realize. I think the Patriots in general are such a dumpster fire, and he's taking a lot of criticism for that. And he's actually, except in a couple instances, uh, like losing the game against the Bills at the very end, He's been not their biggest problem. However, I do not think that a burgeoning connection with Jacoby Myers when they're almost definitely not going to make the playoffs is going to (laughs) be enough to wrap up comeback player of the year. Uh, I will make my selection. I love Jacoby Myers. (laughs) I, I too, love Jacoby Myers. Uh, Comeback player of the year voters, I'm not convinced, feel quite so strongly the same way. I will choose Ben Roethlisberger, comeback player of the year, for my next pick. I just think Mm. even though they're basically just asking him to not lose games, it's still a famous quarterback on a good team who had an injury last year. So it's at least in the cards. (laughs) It's It's in the realm of the narrative. Yeah, We're not relying on (laughs) Jacoby Myers at the very least. (laughs) Uh, and then let's see. So I have Kansas city over Tampa Bay in the super bowl, TJ Watt defensive player of the year, Roethlisberger comeback player of the year, which I believe leaves me taking Kalen's Lamar pick for MVP. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, something I would have, something I, I came close to selecting myself in the preseason. I don't think it looks quite as good now, but he could turn it on. I think that's, 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 I don't think that's a horrible situation for me to be in. Uh, yeah, is, is, there, is, there a scenario, <laughs> is there a scenario where he could if he just all of a sudden goes scorched earth? I mean, obviously the Ravens are a very good team and they're going to be a playoff team. So that foundation gives him, gives him an opportunity to like change the narrative over the second half of the year, right? Yeah, and there's I some think it's possible. It's, yeah. And it's also, again, the league is, is wide open enough that he could squeak in there, especially if the Chiefs aren't putting up 50 points a game anymore and <laughs> we start poking holes in the Wilson. I mean, Wilson's I has you can seven turnovers my, in the last three games. Yeah, I think you can hear in my voice that I don't believe in this, but <laughs> that's it. That's my team. I got it. Yeah. Uh, Kaylin, I believe it's back to you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm, taking your Super Bowl pick of New Orleans over Kansas City. And I take it with the caveat that I do not believe in New Orleans at all, despite them being a <laughs> kind of... They they don't have too many, you know, obvious flaws, but they're kind of like the Clippers of the NFL. You oh, know, wow. like they're, they, they are. The phenomenal, phenomenal regular season team, right? But... Over the past three seasons, and actually over the past decade, you know, aside from that ring, that was 10 years ago, 2010, 2009, um, you know, they haven't really been that good in the postseason. And it kind of reminds me of like the Clippers where, you know, in 2015, they had the Lob City era where you have Blake Griffin, uh, Chris Paul with Clippers, and they ended up choking the West Conference semifinals. And then 
this past year, 2020, Clippers choked a 3-1 lead against the Nuggets with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But I know the Saints have a ring, but look at 2010, they lost to the 7-9 Beast Mode Seahawks led by Matt Hasselbeck. 2011 yeah. was a good loss. They lost to Alex Smith and the, and the Niners. But 2013, they lost to the, the Seahawks led by Russell Wilson, but they only scored 15 points all in the fourth quarter. And then you have the last three years. Case Keenum and the Minneapolis Miracle. 2018, Jared Goff and the Rams who looked off on the Super Bowl. And then last year, the Kirk Cousins Vikings. The Saints are the Clippers. They can't get it done. And They're so, so I'm not that Yeah, they have, a depressing, they have a depressing playoff history when you they think do. about it. <laughs> That was masterful, Sorry, Kalen. Yeah. <laughs> and you got the Hasselbeck reference in there. It really got Danny jazzed up. I love that. I, I was just that. thinking about so. that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the other Saints win in the playoffs. The Seahawks win over the Saints. I completely forgot about that yeah. one. I'm, I'm just thinking about the, the beast mode forever, though. <laughs> so that leaves me stuck with Nick Bosa for Defensive Player of the Year. Long odds. I was odds. just waiting until you realized that. <laughs> I have played this Mr. Terribly. Irrelevant in oh, our man. in our preseason pick three draft. Mr. Irrelevant is defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. We're very sorry you got hurt. You are a fabulous player, and we are all worse off for not getting to watch you. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Can I can I get a like a replacement in there at all? Or what's the deal? Am I just stuck <laughs> yeah, with the guy who's absolutely not playing? Since I did provide you guys with limited options here. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to make one awards prediction now that we are midway through the season, what would it be? Uh, among these choices, right? Like, do, I'm going to no, go, anything, I'm going to. Re- anything. Mm. That's a good question. That is a good question. I mean, I, re- I actually really like my team for the most part. I feel like I'm going to get all these right, except for the Nick Bosa one. So can I just change mine to Aaron Donald? <laughs> is, that, is that too easy? <laughs> yes. Yes, you may. <laughs> I'll see. Right. I want to I mean, switch up my Super Bowl pick. Sorry, go ahead, Danny. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, like Aaron Donald's just the easy choice. I mean, he's still in the he's still in the race. Best defensive player in the NFL, pretty much. Obviously, I don't know. I don't know if he'll get the award, but he's gonna be in. He's gonna be in the race. So I'm putting him. So in. you think the guy that gets triple teamed and is still healthy and on a competitive team is more likely to get it than than Nick Bosa than our guy Nick. <laughs> <laughs> probably like yeah i think that's yeah. sound logic kalen <laughs> um i want to f- you know change a lot but i'm gonna s- switch my super bowl pick i'm gonna steal my kansas city over tampa bay back because like you said Nora, i think tampa bay is still a legitimate team even though they look bad this past week and then defensive player of the year i want to switch miles garrett for aaron donald like danny just mentioned he's been the most dominant defensive player in the league uh still leads the league in sacks even though like Nora, you mentioned he's being triple teamed as an interior <laughs> defensive lineman. So, and also my comeback player of the year. I love Cam Newton, but you know, Alex Smith is a pretty strong pick, I guess, just because of the fact that he's going to end up starting these next few games. As much as I think he's, he's a miraculous person. My, I picked Alex Smith to win comeback player of the year. And my hope was that he would play like two snaps and it yeah, would just yeah. be this, like you did this thing that you really cared about. And we're all really proud of you. Now he has to play for the Washington football team and behind that offensive line. And <laughs> it gives me a weird taste in my mouth, but I still think that he is a miraculous human being. And if this is the choice that he's made and it's meaningful to him to play, then I support him. I have a question. Are we missing any obvious Super Bowl matchups that we haven't really discussed here? Slash winners slash matchups. 
Well, no we one's talked have, about the Packers or the Steelers. We also all have Kansas or the City. Steelers. Yeah. In it, which not necessarily winning, but we have eliminated the rest of the AFC. Yeah, with apologies to them. I actually feel more confident in that than I would have, maybe even preseason. Now, same here. Yeah, the NFC is a whole. The NFC is just wide open. I feel like it could be one of eight teams in the (laughs) NFC. The AFC is like two or three, but yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean maybe we're missing a little bit of. What would it be for you? Some Steelers love? If we're talking about the AFC, I still think the Ravens are dangerous. I still think the Bills are really interesting in terms of like if they get hot, yeah. they could beat anybody. Um, on the NFC side, I honestly think any of the Saints, Packers, Bucks, Seahawks, and then like throw in a random ass team, like maybe the freaking Rams or something, could like just make a run in the playoffs. It's it's that wide open to me. The random ass Rams. I think that was a Daft Punk album. But are you, are we going to talk? Can, we, can the Dolphins make the playoffs? Are the Dolphins going to the playoffs? The They're Dolphins. Going to the, playoffs. The, the Dolphins are in, in the, the playoffs, playoffs right now. Yep. As of yeah. Now. I love that. I love it. They might make the two is going to get hot, and then all of a sudden the Dolphins are going to be like the real dark horse in the AFC. Spicy. Danny, <laughs> jumping in here. All right. I think that's where we're going to end it. Thanks, right. guys. This has been fun. <laughs> this has been the Ringer NFL show. Thank you for listening. Next up on our feed is going to be Warren Sharp and Joe House. We'll be in on Friday, previewing week 10, getting into some betting nuggets, lots of other juicy stuff.